Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And today is a big episode because I want to kind of summarize a lot of the things that we've learned in this series on sync licensing. If you've been following along on some of my interviews with different people in the sync licensing world, as well as some of the other uh, tip episodes that I've been doing on sync licensing. If you haven't uh, listened to those or watched any of those videos, make sure you do and you check them out and you can get all of them by going to our homepage, otherrecordlabels.com slash sync, where I'm collecting all of the videos in this series on this topic, as well as I have my free guide to sync licensing that you can download for free. So what we're going to do today is we're going to actually just talk about the basics of how to get a sync deal. If you're a record label, if you represent independent artists, if you're one of the independent artists who watch these videos or listen to these episodes, then this will be helpful to you as well. But today I'm going to break it down into four Sorry, five specific categories. I can't count, but we're going to talk about five concepts that were um, that will help you get a sync deal, help you improve your chances of getting a sync deal. I can't make any promises; nobody can. Um, but hopefully, you found this series to be helpful. And if you haven't, make sure you grab my free guide on sync licensing at otherrecordlabels.com/sync. Let's dive into these five things, okay? And these are things that I've pulled from our interviews and some of the interviews that haven't been released yet, uh, and some of the conversations I've been having and a lot of the research. And hopefully, you've come up with your own concepts and 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 strategies from this series. So number one is to always be thinking about sync. That's a really big deal is to always be thinking about sync. And you're going to hear us talk about that in some stuff coming up. But here's what I mean by that. If you're a record label owner, you should always be thinking about the tasks that you have at hand and the the opportunities and the things you're doing on a day-to-day basis, how that relates to different facets of your business. And so what I mean by that is, you know, you might be thinking about social media all the time. And, and if you're in the studio visiting the band who's recording an upcoming album, I, I bet you you're already thinking about how can I use this for social media? And so are you going to do a reel with the with the band or something for TikTok while you're in the studio, or you can just snap some stories or maybe just have them pose around the mixing console and take a photo. And so obviously in that environment, you're thinking about social media. Same is that if you're watching a band live, you're going to take some cool ba- uh, backstage shots, or you're going to take some shots of the fans that you're going to use for social media. So this is an example of how you can use your daily activities as a record label owner for social media. Well, the same is true for sync licensing is that if you're in the studio, visiting a band, you can remind the engineer, hey, we're going to need instrumentals. So, you know, if you're mixing this or when we're recording this, make sure we don't record live off the floor. Or if we are, maybe have them do a pass live off the floor where the singer doesn't sing so that we can use that for licensing. So these are the kind of times where as a record label owner, knowing that sync licensing is going to play a role in your business, you should always be thinking about sync licensing and and the certain needs that sync licensing has. And so if you're meeting with the band, you can be talking to them about, hey, are you in the writing phase? Okay, so um, listen, we just found out that non-romantic love songs are really popular or songs about life in general are really popular. And so if that comes across in your writing, you know, we don't want to manipulate their process, but if that's something that inspires them or they can think about as an artist, at least they know, hey, Non-romantic love songs do really well and can open us up to opportunities on TV shows. And so we don't want to interfere with the creative process, but that's just good to know. So tip number one is to always be thinking about sync throughout the whole process. 
when you're onboarding new artists and you're asking them for certain specific information, you want to make sure you get their IPI number, which is their number with their affiliate um, PRO, their local PRO. And you want to make sure that when they, if you're taking on some of the albums that they've already released, or if they're submitting an album to you that you're going to release through your label, you want to get stuff, uh, information about the songs, things like lyrics, but also things like mood and what are the song meanings. And those are things that will help you with sync licensing. You also want to find out who wrote all the songs. Was there a boyfriend or a girlfriend that wasn't mentioned in the credits who actually helped write this song. Those are things you need to know about for sync licensing. So tip number one is to always be thinking about sync. Tip number two, this is a big one, is highlight your niche. This is something that came up a lot in our conversations and in the content we did for this series is to highlight your niche. And what I mean by that is to identify what makes your catalog or if you're an artist, what makes you as an artist, or if you're a record label, what makes your record label unique? And this is so important because if you create relationships with music supervisors or people in the sync world, or even DJs uh, or writers, it's really important that when they have an opportunity or a need that comes up, that fits a really specific need that you pop into their head or your record label or your artist pop into their mind. So for example, I, my record label has always been a Canadiana folk record label and we've deviated a little bit, but for most part, it was kind of this, this uh, Canadian simple folk sound. And over the years, there's been, you know, um, different people in the music industry and supervisors who, when they needed a certain song in a TV commercial, they would email me because they know our label does the certain sound. And when we originally had a conversation with Musicbed about 10, almost 15 years ago, when Musicbed was a very, very small company, um, they could look through our catalog and they knew exactly what our, what we were and what we represented. And so they would never come to me for electronic music or they wouldn't come to me necessarily for experimental music or for punk music or for indie rock or whatever, but they would come to me for a specific sound. So this is really important that you highlight your niche. Now, maybe you don't have uh, a sonic niche. You don't have a genre that you affiliate with. And most of the labels we have on the show um, like to diversify the music they have. But maybe there's something else that is important to them that they find to be a part of their identity. And so maybe that's um, some sort of a marginalized group that you uh, represent and that, that you give a voice to with your record label geographically is something that's really big. And you say, you know, all of our artists are from Iceland or our, all of our artists are from Mexico. And, and so this is really, this is really cool. You know, these are things that music supervisors, we talk about this in our upcoming course with Katrina Fry, where, you know, there, there might be shows that want to put a focus on black music and there might be shows that want to um, focus music from a certain region because the show takes place in that certain region. And there's a film that's being filmed in Africa. And so they only want African artists. And, and, and that's very important. There's a lot of TV shows today aren't just grabbing songs from anywhere. They're being super intentional with the labels they represent and the artists they represent. So it's very important for you that you identify what those things are, you expand on what your niche is, and so you bring in more artists that fit that niche, and then finally you promote that niche. You promote what it is that makes you stand out, and you email music supervisors and say, hey, listen, we have, you know, 
that classic Motown sound. We are a record label from Detroit. We're actually operating out of a building that used to be used in the Motown era. You know what I mean? Like I'm making this up, but this is the kind of thing that's really important that can really help your label stand out. So a music supervisor's like, I've listened to a couple samples. It literally sounds like Motown music, but it's made today. That's really cool, which means it's cheaper to license than actual Motown tracks. It's from Detroit. So it has that Motown sound, Motor City uh, town, motor town. Uh, and so, you know what I mean? So that's really important is to identify what makes your catalog unique, then to expand on it, to bring in more and to really double down on it. And then just to promote it, to let people know, Hey, this is our niche. This is our sound, whether that's geographically, whether that's the type of people that you represent as a label or, um, whether that's in a genre. Okay. Moving on. Number three is to organize your catalog. We've talked about this throughout this whole series and how important this is. So we want to, number one, we want to organize um, by themes, by feelings, um, which is a little different than themes. Uh, so, you know, for a theme, for example, would be, um, let's say uh, your theme is uh, motivation or like empowerment or even specifically like female empowerment, empowerment for young girls or empowerment for older women. You know, th this is a theme, love is a theme, um, but then you could be even more specific in themes and you can say what, what type of love and then feeling. So a song could really be about anything, but because it's upbeat and energetic, that's the feeling is energetic. Um, topics are, if you want to get really super specific. So if we say this song is, um, about a father and daughter, and so that's a very, very specific topic. And so if you have a song in your catalog, as example, that is, uh, about a father and daughter, then you want to make sure that that is categorized categorized in a spreadsheet. Now I have a spreadsheet that's part of our free guide for sync licensing that you can download. It's in the guide. It's a, an Excel sheet. You can just click on it and download it for free and you can make your own. You can use Google sheets or you can use uh, any type of like database that you want. I've provided an example that you can just fill out the details, but this is really good is that if you're onboarding a new artist or if you have a big catalog is to listen through the songs and go, Hey, this is actually about a father and son. And so let's, Type that in the category under topics is father and son. What's the feelings? Heartwarming. What's the theme? Uh, love slash, you know, um, family. Uh, what's the genre? Well, maybe it's a, a pop ballad, an 80s pop ballad to be even more specific, or maybe it's like a punk tune. And so this is really important that if one day you get an email that's saying, we're looking for a father and son song, but it has to be rock. It has to be indie. And that would come up, right? A, a, a TV commercial where a father and son are underneath the car working on it, you know, being a mechanic or something. And like, so there are times where songs like, well, that will come up. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I just recently had a pitch that was, um, they wanted a, uh, I can't give it too many details, but let, let's say for example, um, they wanted uh, an upbeat song, an energetic song, and that mentioned hot dogs. I'm I'm totally serious. Like this actually just came in a couple weeks ago. So an upbeat song that mentioned hot dogs. How how crazy specific is that? And so if I had a catalog, I unfortunately did not have a song that mentioned hot dogs, but if I had a spreadsheet and I could search that spreadsheet for hot dogs, or I could search that spreadsheet for father to son or 
for you know working on a car or mechanics, then that's really important. So I know that's an arduous task. I know there's a lot involved with that, but this is one of the reasons why it's important to have your catalog organized. Organize your audio files. We talked about that in the previous episode. So things like your instrumentals, your stems, if you have them at the very, very least, just an MP3 and a wave is very important to have. And then, of course, organizing your publishing rights. So who the songwriters are, do they have publishers, what are their PROs, uh, does the song have a um, IS, International Standard Work Code, right, ISWC, that needs to be organized. So there's all sorts of stuff. If you like spreadsheets, like I kind of like spreadsheets, it's weird. But like, if you like spreadsheets, then this is like plan a week, you know, like, I know it's a big job, but like being successful is hard work. I'm sorry. It is very hard work. So I know it's a big job, but open up this spreadsheet, maybe make two of them, maybe one for publishing, one for themes and genres and start to go through your catalog. And if you're a new record label and you only have one EP or one single, good for you, lucky for you, because you can start this process on the right foot. I tell you, I did not start this process out on the right foot when I began. And uh, it can really it can really slow you down because music supervisors are in a hurry. And so if you build a network and and start to get music supervisors and they reach out to you because they know that you have a specific sound and they want a song with hot dogs in the top, in the lyrics, then you need to know really quickly if you have that. (laughs) Number four, we're moving on here. Number four is to diversify your opportunities. So you can work with a sync agent for specific tracks. And so let's say you find a sync agent who uh, represents your genre or works, uh, has placed songs on TV shows or in movies or in commercials that are relevant to you and to what your record label stands for. So let's say you find a sync agent. Now they're not necessarily going to represent your whole catalog because maybe your whole catalog is just too much for them. Maybe it's just uh, some songs are just not relevant. Maybe they're they're the type of sync agent that just wants to represent like two like super hot tracks, two tracks that have like the best possible possibility of syncing, maybe 10 tracks, maybe 20. I don't know. Maybe it's just one song that's a big hit song that has a million Spotify streams. And so they want to represent just that track. So find a sync agent who's going to represent some specific tracks for you if that's the route you want to go. Another way to diversify your opportunity is to take some of the beds or the instrumentals and to upload them to a sync library. So um, when we were talking with Christine Leslie of Tattoo Music, she said she recommended that for something like sync libraries, like Epidemic Sound, for example, or Music Bed, that maybe you don't want to give them like your big hit song because maybe that can bring in more money. Because remember, sync libraries don't bring in the same tier of of income that a sync agent or a music supervisor could generate for you. It's it's a little bit more about uh, quantity and getting a lot of a uh, smaller amount of money. And so maybe for that reason, you want to reserve some of your big songs that you think have big potentials that, uh, for sync placements. And then you upload stuff like your beds. And so by that, I mean, just the drums and bass and synths, you know, just like a, an underscore that could be used for um, in a documentary where there's dialogue on top of that. And so these are ways you can diversify your opportunities by saying, okay, some of our instrumentals are going over here. And then, you know what I've even done? I've even like taken out a banjo track from a song, just that one track. And I've uploaded it to a site like Audio Jungle. And Audio Jungle is a really big site and it's, you know, it's really cool. And so you can 
but I wouldn't put one of my great songs on there because what people are going to audio jungle because they're making a video like a wedding video or they're making a, a corporate video um, or they're making just like their own family video and they want to put a, a, you know, it's like their, their family vacation video that they, they filmed out at a country farm or something. And they're just looking for like a four minute banjo song to put under this and to use it legally. And so they go there and they spend like $20 to get usage of this track. And so I've done that before and it's worked great and it's been part of my revenue stream. It's not a huge amount of money, but it is certainly part of the overall big picture. And so that's what I'm talking about in point number four of diversifying your opportunities is saying, okay, we work our best songs with a sync agent or we use, uh, we have a music supervisor that we are reserving our best songs for, um, or we, um, upload just certain instrumentals, certain songs, certain kind of B-sides to um, uh, to a sync library or to a place, you know, similar to that. And then also you can do things like think different, think outside the box and think about local opportunities or charities or YouTubers, you know. Actually, I was friends with a YouTuber. Um, somebody knew my music and, and they had a, a massive following and they asked to use my music and I actually let them use it for free and I gave them the rights to use it, uh, in exchange for putting my, you know, my social media and my Spotify links in their description. So I don't know if I would do that today or maybe ask for something a little bit bigger, knowing the ad revenue that they would be making. Um, and knowing that maybe not too many people clicked on my Spotify profile, or maybe if in the video they mentioned, hey, this song is our friend, Scott, you should go check him out, the link. And if they did that, then I would give it for free. So there's opportunities like that. There's podcasters who are looking for music. And so you can say, hey, listen, we'll give you our instrumentals. I remember one time I gave like... Um, there was a filmmaker and I basically said, Hey, listen, you can have access to all of the songs and then just pay me when you want to use it or like pay me based on your budget. And so there's kind of like some rogue things that you can do as part of diversifying your sync licensing opportunities and diversifying your sync licensing revenue. Because sometimes you might be like, okay, it's great that we're getting, you know, a hundred thousand dollars from this one sync placement or you know, that would be a huge deal. But like maybe you're getting a $5,000 or a $10,000 sync placement on a massive HBO show. Good for you. That's awesome. But what about, you know, uh, if you don't get one of those or what if you get, you know, a $500 here, $5,000 here, and then $20 here, and then 15 cents over here. You know what I mean? So it's all, it's very important that it you diversify your opportunities because it makes up a bigger piece of the pie. Finally, number five is to build your network. And so this is the long-term part of it. And everybody I've talked to in this business and in this series has emphasized how sync licensing is a long game, especially for record labels, but also true for individual artists and composers. It's a long game. So we need to work on building our network. And that means uh, music supervisors want to know who they're working with. They want to trust who they're working with. There's so much risk nowadays in using a song that isn't properly cleared or that there's writers who aren't properly credited. And so there's, it's a very risky business. So music supervisors need to know that they're working with professional companies. And so this is where it might be best. Yeah. If you have a, a, an established a relationship with a music supervisor, great. And maybe they have a way to do their due diligence to make sure the song is cleared. 
But if you're working with a sync agent, this is going to take time. If maybe you uh, you have an entire publishing house that's going to work on your behalf and you're going to give them exclusive rights to it. And so maybe you're going to have songs that are specific for certain representatives who are going to represent just these songs. Maybe you're writing a new album and you're saying, okay, this album is earmarked for this sync agent, that kind of thing. So it's really important that you work on this uh, relationship over time. This is not something that you can listen to this episode, go Google sync agent, find someone, send them the songs. They, they sign you right there. And then they, they start sending you monthly checks. I mean, this is the kind of thing that could take a half a decade to really start to see a consistent amount of money coming in from people who you trust and they trust you. And so I know that's nobody wants to hear that half a decade is, is a lifetime, but seriously, you know, this is really how people do it is, is they build relationships over the time. Do not carpet bomb people. Do not, you know, find a list of pay for a list of music supervisors and carpet bomb them. It's just not going to work. I mean, honestly, you'll have more success with being really organic and intentional with one music supervisor than sending a blast out to a thousand different music supervisors. Um, it's just going to look bad on you. It's going to look bad on your artists. And it really just is not it's not going to work. I just don't think that's the way to do it. Don't DM them. That's very unprofessional. Uh, in, in fact, when you're looking at music supervisors or you're looking for sync agents, uh, or if you're even looking for going straight to the source, like video videographers and video editors, um, then you really want to look through their platform and try to listen, spend some time with and try to figure out how do they get their content? I mean, music supervisors have done lots of interviews on the Guild of Music Supervisors YouTube and on their website. And you can listen in those interviews and find out where they're getting music from and start to reverse engineer that process instead of just Googling their email and then bombing them with, with spam. Instead, do do research and, and find out where are they getting their music from. Go to those sources and, and try to submit your music through them. So do it slowly, methodically, and, and strategically. And I think that's where you'll uh, begin to build your network. And don't forget about real life too. Don't forget about going to conferences, going to trade shows, um, meeting people at gigs, just networking and, oh, do you know so-and-so? They work in sync licensing and, you know, that's really important. So let's go back over these. Number one is to think about sync throughout the whole process. Number two is to highlight your niche. Very important. Number three is to organize your catalog, organize by theme, organize your audio files and your publishing rights. Diversify your opportunities. Don't just look for those big sync deals on HBO shows or Netflix. But also look for the smaller things, you know, talk to YouTubers and podcasters and local businesses. And then finally, to build your network and to do it organically. And so those are the five takeaways that I've personally taken from some of our interviews in this series and some of the interviews that have yet to come out and some of the, the research and the books that we've been promoting. These are really the takeaways on how to get a sync deal. And I hope that you found them helpful. Remember, go to otherrecordlabels.com slash sync, because that's where I'm consolidating everything that we're talking about. All of my interviews with industry experts on this topic, as well as my free guide to sync licensing, which you can get at otherrecordlabels.com slash sync. Thank you so much for tuning in for this series. And thank you for following along. <laughs>